I'm waiting for the saxophone. <laughs> Welcome to Sanctuary First. Uh, the second, it's the second, the second, the second Friday in November. And it's the day after Guy Fox, if you're if you're listening in from other parts of the world. Uh, and uh, we're here tonight to start thinking about, yes, not only the saints of the past, but the saints of the present day and the saints are still to come, and how we can begin to make a difference in the world and contribute our lives, how our lives can shape the world that's still to be. I think that's some of the things we're going to be talking about, along with many others. But a huge thank you to you for listening in and a welcome tonight to the usual panel. Ladies first, welcome Laura Dagen. Hello. And to James Cuthcart, welcome to you. Hello. And to Ian Jimison, who's with us again tonight. Hey, everybody. And a special welcome to our guest, who couldn't make it two or three weeks ago because he was at a dinner party with a celebrity in London. Okay. But now, <laughs> but, but he's decided that he can be with us tonight. It's great to have you, George Sneddon. George is a trainee minister with the Church of Scotland and was one of our writers a couple of weeks back. So uh, great to have you join us tonight, George. Thank you very much <clears throat> to be here. Good. And so alongside this, George, we should just say, alongside George, you might be able to spot Jack, um, yeah. wee Jack in the background. Oh. Um, we're joined by uh, George's dog. All right. We have a wee dog called Jackie. Oh, there you go, Jack and Jackie. I've got a wee dog, a wee dog called Jackie. <laughs> but Jackie just stands at the door. So it's just a wee frozen dog. Oh, <laughs> he holds okay. the letters. <laughs> Uh, I would love just a wee frozen dog, Albert. It's a wee frozen dog. You frozen. don't need to feed him or anything like that. He's just there, ready to hold the letters up for you in the morning. I've, I've got a neurotic crazy dog that you can't pin down. I, I kind of feel like it's, it's, it's the universe's way of teaching me a lesson. <laughs> well, listen, never mind about the dogs, you know, keep the dogs in. And uh, let's get started in thinking about uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight. This whole idea, this time of seasoning, I've been talking about the seasoning of remembrance, how memory seasons our life and the seasons of remembrance, but the seasoning of remembrance and the seasoning that we bring into the world. You know, we keep on talking about, oh, the people in the past who have influenced us, but surely there are things that we can do to season things in our world just now and uh, maybe some of our world leaders should be doing a bit of seasoning what do you think oh most definitely yes yeah. it's uh, i think as well like well I, I feel that like especially i think with this selection but i, I will just get to it you know <laughs> there's no you can't yeah, ignore it the- you can't ignore it it's uh what i because well, i was talking to my dad about this earlier on today and it's it's as about setting an example, you know, setting an example, and helping to encourage people to do the right thing. And I think there's this, you know, behaving with dignity. You know, it's that there seem to be a wee bit of a loss of dignity, you know, in it all. Um, and and I just think it's it's a bit of a, I don't know. I think other countries would look in and see that. 
perhaps this is not a good example of democracy when they see all the, you know, uh, the the bickering, the you know, saying that oh, this is you know, there, there's uh, election fraud and things like that. You know, I think mm, is that is that a good example? Mm -hmm. But I definitely think that yeah, there's about. I think in this time we it's about leadership. The leadership should be showing dignity and encouraging others to um, behave dignified. Mm -hmm. Do you know, Laura? I think I think you're right. I think the leadership's important, but I think we do ourselves a disservice when we judge what we see in the media. And when we judge people according to the snippets that were given um, on, you know, either social media or national media. Now, there is no doubt that there is one protagonist in the American election um, who has been actually saying things which are not true. Um, and, and that's disappointing in the extreme. But what I think about that is I often think, what, what leads you to that place where you know people follow you and they listen to what you're saying and yet what you're saying is so when you when you look at the facts of the world around you the, the things that are true and can be proven um you can set your face against those what what must be wrong with you that that you are that person you know what what, what what's wrong that you can't see that you know gravity's real or that the climate's changing. How many hurricanes does it take? How many icebergs does it take to melt before you understand what's in front of your very face? And But I would hesitate to um, criticise that protagonist that doesn't see these things. What I would ask myself is, how do you become that guy? How do you get to that place where you can't see how wrong-headed your thinking has become. How do you be the guy that says... Well, I think sometimes, I you get, you get to, sometimes you get to that place because you have inherited power and wealth that you can buy people and people do not want to tell you the truth. They do not speak the truth to you because they're frightened in case they're going to lose their job or they're going to lose something else. So people, people will, will do anything for their one moment of fame or for their one moment of power or can they draw alongside someone or I know this person or I know that person. It's amazing. Human nature is such, an, such a strange thing. How people will, will, what people will do to, to be in a particular place and to get alongside someone or, you know, but the, I think one of the, the, the issues with that, Ian, is that sometimes people don't want, people have let too many, a person off too much with speaking the truth to them and they get off. And this happens not only in that level, but I think we were talking about it one time, James and I before, about how it can happen in groups. It can happen in church groups where there's one person who's dominant and nobody else wants to say, I think you're wrong because they've got some kind of history that goes back some ways. And, and this person gets off with it once, they get off with it twice. And then, oh, well, it's only, you know, that's how John is. And eventually I, people just accept that. And that's the question. At what point do we actually all make that? You're saying, how does that person get there, Ian? At what point do we all make that person and we all contribute to that person? 
But the thing is, though, I think we all do make that person is, is where I would come from. And and then I would, I would come round to say, how then should we judge such a person that we have made? How then should we pass judgment upon somebody who, in fact, is a product of privilege and um, and power and people always saying, yeah, you're right, you're fantastic, you're, you're amazing. I mean, in, in our other industry, Albert, we meet musicians who have been told how brilliant they are all the time, how fantastic they are. You know, there are musicians higher up the, 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 the tree who everybody does everything for them. They never actually have to act like adults in the adult world because there will always be somebody to do something for them. Do you know what I mean? I I, I often find myself looking at um, uh, Katie Price, for example. I think, you know, how can you live like that? How, 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 how do you, how are you how you are? And then I have great sympathy for her because she's surrounded by people who say, you know, you're right, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, you're perfect. How can we judge people? Well, it's not really judging them. I suppose what I'm trying to say is that, and sometimes we have to judge. You know, we have to make judgments about someone. We can't just, because either we decide we're going to go over somebody or we step back. But there's a difference between judging someone and hating someone or, or trying to do something, you know, or, or being, you know, doing it out of malice and, or anger. Oh. But sometimes um, it is possible. I think to be we have angry a, about something and sort something out in a just way. I think we have a responsibility. <clears throat> it's um, as well. Um, and I think this is where it comes in, this idea of, you know, the saints, you know, about raising each other up. But it's not just raising each other up. It's, you know, having the, you can chastise people in a loving way, you know, whenever you see behaviour, you know encouraging people to take responsibility, you know, you know, making them, you know, take, you know, being responsible and taking account for things. And, we, we, and, but we, and I think in the society just now, especially, it's to, to lovingly kind of, you know, challenge people on their behaviour, the way they're living. Um, it's, it's not welcome. You know, and it's even though, you know, it can be coming from a, a, a place of love and caring. Um, it's, I, I find that where, and I think that's that's part of, I think, a reason as well why, you know, things are allowed to get to the place where, where they are with certain people, you know. And again, mm. it's this way, you know, nobody's saying no. Do you know, I'm interesting, this takes us into James's first day. Because James has been a writer this week, you know, and I'm thinking about James writing, I think it was last Sunday, Unforeseen. And he talks about um, one of these ironies of the false prophet is that they rarely see their consequences coming. False prophets are a bit of an oxymoron, like saying a lying truth teller. It makes me think of one of those riddles when you are told there's a parrot that always lies and a parrot that always tells the truth standing at the crossroads but you don't know which is which. Why are the lying parrot and the honest parrot hanging out together in the place, same first place? Is the lying parrot hanging on to the tail feathers of the honest parrot, or is the honest parrot trying to make up for the lying parrot's misdemeanors? 
<laughs> misdemeanors is very much a word of the moment, isn't it? Uh, misdemeanors. They were misdemeanors. <laughs> I have a I have a really interesting theory about this. Um, back in the fifteenth century, there was a guy called Nicholas Copernicus who changed the world when he decided that the Earth wasn't the, th- the center of the universe and the, the sun, or there was something else that was. And actually, I think what we've missed in each and every person as we grow up, certainly more in the modern day, is none of us have had the opportunity to have that Copernicus revolution inside of us, which says we're not the center of the universe. You know, when kids grow up, they, they, they don't, they think that, that you know, we're all been kids. We think that walls shouldn't be there when we run into them or that the floor shouldn't hurt or that the car shouldn't drive in the road because we're playing football on the road. You know, and you, you get, you, I think there's some stage in your, your childhood when you grow up that, that there comes a Copernicus revolution where you say, actually, I'm not the centre of my own universe. And I think mm. perhaps the people that lead us, people that lead us have never had that internal revolution to say that they're not at the centre of their own universe. Mm. And I think that has that has left us with such a void, um, you know, not being able to tell which parrot is which, for example. You know, yeah, and, and here's the interesting thing about the communion of the saints, is that the communion of the saints is that it's a communion. Saints, the, the Christianity is not an individualistic way of life. It is a community, a communal way of life. But it's not a communal way of life that that undermines the individual. It's a communal way of life that seeks to to raise high the individual. But in raising high the individual, the individual is raised high by saying, look at the community. And the community is raised high by, by rejoicing in the individual. Now that's what happens in the whole Christian concept of trinity and the and the trinity the father says this is my beloved son in whom i am well pleased and the and and the son says it's my father and the holy spirit says don't look at me look at the son and each one is deferring to the other but they're all in community and that, and that's where we get it all wrong we, we pit community against individual but this communion of the saints is a corrective thing as well. So it's, it's, if we could be as God's people, could learn to understand what that communion of the saints is, which again then George takes is the communion of saints that goes back in history mm-hmm. and into the present moment, but also thinking about those who are still to come. Mm-hmm. But- Absolutely. It, it's something that I've always found compelling about Christianity is this blending of the one and the many and this idea that, you know, you're not being subsumed into something. You know, It's not about denying yourself or um, having to fully let go of who you are, but it's that, as you say, Albert, that kind of recognition, that growing into who you are. And so I think that kind of metaphor of family or community is really is really nice, you know, because I think as we were just talking about the kind of broken way that it can happen with individuals where we end up contributing as a wider society, but there's also positive ways in which we are all a product of one another. We are tied together. And I think one of the lovely things about this idea of the word saints, which is always in plural in the New Testament, Hagioi, these kind of holy ones, is there's the sense of being set apart 
but we're all set apart. So it's not like that there's a couple of people that have been individually set apart. We are all set apart. God has chosen each of us. And then we are set apart for one another in, in, in a really lovely way. And, and so I think there's this kind of um, um, growing together that we do, um, which, which is really lovely. And I think the kind of other aspect of the communion of saints thing is, as you say, is that it stretches across time. So we're not just saying that we're a community here now, but that we are connected to people, um, not just in a kind of vague, inherited their tradition sort of way, but we are actually connected to the lives that have been lived. We are part of one continuum. It's not just that, oh no, we, you know, there's people who went before us and they said similar things. Like, no, we're saying that cosmically we are linked to people who have been and people who will be, um, which is quite a phenomenal resource, I think. Absolutely. Um, to have all those people. Here's the question I want to ask you. What is it that brings us into being and makes us a person? What is it? <laughs> Just a light question. Just a light question. <laughs> what, what is it? It's the spirit of God manifesting in, in, you know, in the reality. And in in... what what is what is it that brings us into being? It is love. Of course. It's love that brings us into being. We are loved into a relationship with God. God, from the very beginning, it's about a relationship. God has brought us into being, into his, into personhood. And, and that love then, when we are loved by God, then we are called to start loving the saints and start loving what's been passed on to us and, and learning to love and to see that we're, we're a, a group of people who I've been brought into being out of God's love and that changes the way we see life, the way we see one another. Because would, if you truly love someone, it's not about you. It's always about them. Uh, but but I, th I think you, you've kind of nailed it there, Albert, because what I would say is that when we look back at the saints and um, when we compare it to what's going on just now, um, the whole the whole thing about sainthood and, and the whole thing about being at one with God is to serve um, Christ washed people's feet. Do you know what I mean? That the the whole thing is about service and and love and giving to others, um, kind of more than yourself. It's seeing something beyond yourself, mm -hmm. um, and that to me is almost in the commas true sainthood. If you look at Mother Teresa of Calcutta, for example, her entire life was devoted to service. Latterly. Mm -hmm. And and you know that is to me is what it's all about. And of course, when you plug into the creative force, that force is to you know to unify and to to spread love throughout this galaxy and all galaxies. But that can't be done without us giving ourselves over to that and to to us looking to each other with love and compassion. And, and care when you compare and contrast that to the leaders right now or some of the leaders right now naming no names it's all about them it's all about we did this and we did that and how brilliant are we and that's that's not leadership do you know a, a really good leader they sit in a room full of leaders a crap leader sits in a room full of employees mm-hmm you know you see what you're talking about there what's an interesting thing came to my mind is the history that <clears throat> within our within 
the whole idea of, I suppose, British democracy and how things have worked out in, in, in the history of these islands. We do come to talk about civil servants, you know, who are there, civil servants. It, it means that a servant, somebody who's willing to serve the community, not about themselves, but their civil servants. And, and, and I think there's something strange when we want to, when we see leaders wanting to take away from the civil servants and say, other people will come in and do the job better or, or, or you know, undermine those who want to serve. And I think, just think that whether they're right or wrong, whether, I think the the concept of that name civil servant is something that's, there's something good about that. It's a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing. The people who go into politics, some of them actually, they want to go into politics to make things better, to try and help people. And we have become so cynical that we forget that the people behind our tweets and our snidiness and our, you know, and our ire and, and our judgment about decisions they may have made are people who actually went into that job to try and help. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we're so ready to forget it in our own hubris. And their own, well, I could do it better. Really, could you? Honestly, could you do it better? Yeah. Thanks. Well, so. This leads us into the next question, Ian, which is taking us down more of what, 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 what James has been talking about. How to put ourselves in someone else's shoes when they're being criticised and how that can burn and gnaw away at you and you struggle trying to make sense of it. And I was thinking about that beautiful piece I think it's you. Someone said to me this week, talking about what you'd written, eh, James. They said James has has eh, rewritten that psalm in a modern way. I think it was Psalm Fort. Is it Psalm forty three? Psalm forty three, yeah. I think. Yeah. The, um, yeah. Says so somebody want to read that? Have you got it handy there? Just, apart from James doing it, somebody else want to read it? You I've got, got it there. I just so people can read. This is what some. This is what James reinterpreted Psalm 43 this way. So it's disquiet, disquiet, unease, a soul battered and bruised, misused, unkempt, ill-kept, a fistful of hope running through my fingers as my knees bend and break upon the ground. As the saints have done before me, I find myself at your door, bound, burnt, befuddled. To walk with my head held high is too much to ask. I hang back and hang low. To be in your home, to be at home with you, is too much to ask. I'm not at home with myself. With a fingertip of hope left, I point and from somewhere find the courage to ask for a flicker of a flicker, a glimmer of a glimmer, just something to see by. Then, like the saints before me, I would carry on. I would find my way to praise. I would lift my head, just a glint of a glint, a hint of a hint. Oh, my soul, 
We have been here before. Trust me, soul. Trust me. I just thought that was wonderful. Oh, so did I. I know. I did, I, I did message James to tell. <laughs> Ian, 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 we could write a beautiful tune to that, couldn't we? I, I think yeah. I might actually have messaged um, James about that. Maybe, maybe, I for, maybe I meant to send it and didn't. <laughs> Were you trying to um, do some mind melding there, Ian? <laughs> I think it was one of these ones. No, in fact, I'm sure it was this one that I'm sure I said on Facebook, um, or I meant to send it was, um, you know, really spoke to me today. By the way, I'm nicking your words or something like that. Yeah. I think you maybe just meant to say it, but, but I appreciate it. I think I think it, what I thought was notice man nicked. Yeah. I, I was going to say, let's circle back to that. <laughs> I just thought it was so good. To talk to your soul, mm-hmm. mm. you know. Well, it was nice. Uh, it was lovely having you read it there, Laura, because um, one of the things that was kind of in my head when I was writing that was uh, I can't remember which one it was, but one of the prayers you did for us last time. Uh, I remember um, appreciating how you left us in the kind of downbeat place, you know, in in, in the minor key. And I think mm-hmm. that so often in worship, we're very keen to kind of trot on and run on to the next thing and be like but it's okay because Jesus died for us and Jesus loved me and and everything whereas one of the things that's kind of really nice in the psalm and we often talk about all the emotions in the psalm is that you know David saying uh I will I will praise you and I, for I shall again so it's not that he's turned you know the worship hasn't begun you know it hasn't oh, yeah, you know that, that side hasn't happened yet and so that's why I was quite keen to try and write something that didn't that had hope but not not an answer. I, would, I thought it was really good when you said, then like the saints before me, I would carry on. You know, it's, I would. Because I think a lot of us aren't ready to carry on yet. No, we're not ready. You know, and, and, and I think fine. someone listening to this tonight needs to hear if you're in that dark place and you think it's never going to happen. Just that little glimpse to know, to believe that the glimpse is coming if I knew it was coming, then I could, I would carry on, mm-hmm. you know. And I think we've all been there. I we've mean, certainly I, I wrote that from experience, you know, like we have. But but James, I think, I think that what, what really spoke to me, and, and I mean really spoke to me, was um, the, the line, because we do miss it so often and, you know, worship and when, when we talk about things of spirituality, is to walk with my head held high is too much to ask. How many times have people felt that but never been able to articulate it? Mm-hmm. Because perhaps of shame or mm. of judgment. Mm. See, honestly, see, you walk like this. That's just too much for me. All I can do is just breathe the next breath. Mm. It's brilliant. I mean, I, 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 I love that. As I say, it's nicked. Do you know, Ian, it reminds me of a story. There's a story told, you know, uh, the, the, you know, in, in the Church of Scotland tradition, those of you who are listening in, if you don't know this, the beadle is often the, the friend of the minister, but the beadle's usually never afraid to say to the minister what they think, right? And there's this story told about this young minister who was full of his own self-importance, and he, he went up into the pulpit with a swagger and his head held high, and up there he was going to 
he was going to give it to them. He'd prepared the sermon of a lifetime. He had the words all in his head. And it went like an absolute flop. And he came back down the stairs and his head was hanging low. And he went into the vestry. And he's sitting in the vestry. And the beadle comes in and he says to the, the beadle, what do you think went wrong? And the old beadle looked at him and he said, son, see if you had been up the way you came down, you'd have come down the way you went up. <laughs> oh, brilliant. You know, oh, dear. And there's something about that, isn't there, about, you know, um, it's that area of humility. Aye, just the, having a wee bit of perspective. <laughs> you know, see if you had been up the way you came down, you'd have come down the way you went up. That's but, brilliant. Yeah. You, know, you could talk all night about about that particular sanctuary first entry, to be quite honest. I mean, and there is, there is so much literally stuff in that uh, James honestly it's it's actually brilliant I was I, saying though Ian bef before we came on that it was uh, the post after that that I felt was my my Ian Jameson post I was channeling oh, you yes, I, I was see writing that, that the one tremendous that. power because uh, for those who are watching uh, last or listening last week um, Ian and Scott took us into the matrix and uh, we were very much in deep reality and all the rest of it so um yeah, I, was no, no, I love that as well, man. I, 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 did, I did love that, but just the beauty of disquiet just kind of disarmed me somewhat. It really did. It was, it was lovely. Jim, there's so much good stuff in Sanctuary First. Um, anybody that's listening that hasn't actually gone through it and looked at the daily prayers or doesn't get it, you guys really should because it is actually really, really good stuff. Yeah, and it, yeah, you get it from www.sanctuaryfirst.org.uk and just go in and have a look. And uh, maybe this is a good time just to uh, just to take a wee break here and talk about the up and coming app. And ah. I think, do you know something? <laughs> and I do think actually behind the weakling of you, if he will reveal himself, is one of the app designers. Believe it or not, are you there, Owen? Are you willing to reveal yourself? There you go. Whoa. Yeah, That's tell right. me. Yeah, let's just pull you in a little bit tonight, Owen. Just how's the app going? Are we, are we on target? That for the fourteenth of November, are we on target? Oh, you're asking the wrong person. I'm sorry. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> tell me, Owen. What are you enjoying? Throw us a breadcrumb, Owen. Throw us a breadcrumb. Bread yeah, tell us what are you enjoying about that? What is it that's good about the new app? I will say this much: I I'm not actually terribly involved in that, but I have seen a few snippets of it. Um, you know, there's there's some changes coming to the website as well, um, that are gonna really into the app. You know, it's we're just trying to tie everything together, make it a little bit easier. But um, I think the whole point of the app will be that um, I'm not I'm not the whole point of the app. That's the wrong word, but it's 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 a different environment. You know the web the web page does one thing, but when you see the app, and I don't know if you guys have seen what visuals are there, and I know that people will be kind of excited to see the kind of visuals behind it, but um, it's it's a different experience. You know, I think it's a more involved experience, a more personal experience using the app, um, because it's it's I I don't know how to explain it any other way other than 
when you see it and you use it and you work your way through it and all the content that's there, you you understand what I mean by by it being a different experience. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, and you're you're teasing us. You're teasing us. <laughs> you see, I think your boss has told you don't give too much away. Just keep it. <laughs> And just to explain to folks as well, um, we, we previously had an app, but the difference is, is that was like a off the peg kind of number, you know, so that was a, that's quite outdated and, and it was not running on an old system and it wasn't something we could change or do much with, whereas we're actually now building a new app from scratch. So this is completely uh, us, uh, which is very exciting. So it's going to be a whole new ballpark for us. Yeah, so we're hoping that, and, and this will be Mark 1, and already we're thinking of the opportunities to develop it further, but we, but we need to get it out there because we could just keep on developing it in our mind and never actually release it, which is a wee bit like some Christianity things. Sometimes we think, you know, he's I'm brought not, it back. I right, brought it back to where we are. You know, we say to ourselves as Christians, you know what? I'll, I'm not ready yet to do this for the Lord. I'll just wait till I get this bit. Uh -huh. Or, you know, I remember years ago, uh, you know, I had, um, I, I'd been disappointed. I was wanting to get to university to, to start divinity. And uh, I, I hadn't the higher, I'd failed a higher, this is when it was at night school. And I failed a higher and I, I couldn't get into the, the, the university weren't taking my banking exams at that time. And oh, anyway, and it was, I was really quite downhearted a bit. I remember phoning a well-known minister at that time. And, you know, he, he said to me, you know, why are you disheartened? You know, you don't need to wait to get a clerical collar around your neck to fulfill what God's calling you to do. God's already using you. Just get on with it. You know, and I think sometimes... We, even when we've not feel we've not got everything in place, we've not done everything right. We're not even in the best place. You're never going to be in the best place. Just like our app's never going to be perfect, but we've got to launch it and get on with it. Hi. We're all apps Hi, unto ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me, actually, I was going to ask uh, George and Laura. Uh, as people who are both on uh, stages towards ministry, uh, with Albert talking about his training there, um, and maybe starting with yourself, George, um, about this idea of legacy. You know, so we've been thinking about saints and the, and the tradition and the things that we bear. But I was thinking that for you two, you're kind of on the precipice, aren't you? Because on the one hand, you've maybe been spending the last few years taking in a lot, you know, and hearing about the traditions and the language and, and, and all the stuff that we bear on. But then also you're kind of imagining into the future of who you're going to be and who are the saints you're going to meet and everything. So I was just wondering, how does it, how does it feel to be standing with kind of one foot in the past and one foot in the future? Well, I actually think it's, it's a prime position for the theme that you're talking about training for ministry, because what you're doing is you're in a position to have to learn from the saints that have gone before. So it comes down to when you're preparing a sermon, you're looking what other people have said before you're reading books and commentaries about what other people have preached. And then you're thinking about how you can think about that individually for yourself and your context. So at literally every point, even your prayers, has these prayers been prayed before? What prayers did Augustine pray? What prayers did Luther pray? What prayers did Calvin pray? And, you know, you use that mix of history to help. I think somewhere in the Bible it says, you know, you should 
distribution encourages the saints for the work of the church, right? And, and then you use this, this, you take these tools that other people have given you through their work and their study, and you use that to help build up the saints for God's mission that are currently in the present. So there's, there's an inextricable strand that runs through what you learn. And actually it's made me think that a, being a Christian is also a huge learning experience and it doesn't really stop. You're constantly being molded and constantly being changed. And you're constantly being molded and changed by how God has worked in the lives of others yeah. as well as yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how about then in terms of looking looking to the future you know so so in terms of that's kind of one foot in the past but what do you think in terms of trying to anticipate or imagine what what will come next well that's the next stage isn't it where what you take on what you what you've learned is that you you'll be as a, as a minister you're called to help the people of god be the people of god mm. and so isn't it fascinating that maybe 55, 60 years down the line, there'll be people who look back and say, I remember that ministry. I remember what that taught me. I remember that how I learned about the new, the new stuff about Christ during that time. I remember how that time he brought me to Jesus. You mm. know, it, it may be just have been a passing comment. It may have been a, a, a sermon. It may have been a song. It could have been anything, but it just there's this link between what you learn in the present from the past which you'll take into the future and people will be in this position again you know I was reading something the other day and it was like it was saying how what there's 2.2 billion people who follow the Christian faith in the world okay but what if that's just that's just a small fragment of how big the church is supposed to be what if this is just a small point in history that we're thinking it's massive but in God's eyes it's tiny maybe he's got plans for so much more than that and the stuff that the saints have given us in the past <laughs> is where that, that church will be equipped in the future. Mm. An awesome thought. Mm, that's cool. I like that idea of sort of understanding the future retrospectively, you know, and starting to think, well, what, what will it have been like? Um, yeah. is, that's really interesting. It's a sense in which, you're, James, you're absolutely right, but the future actually shapes the church. Yeah. Mm. Because it's what the church is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> Because there's a fantastic verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. I can just pull these verses out of my head. <laughs> I, was reading, I was reading this, and it talks about how the church, he, God has made the church, brought the church into being, so that he can demonstrate to the whole of the universe, heaven and earth, the whole of the heavenly beings, the secret purpose of the redemption of the world. And the church is a vehicle through which he does that. And he complete, he's completed, he's done it already. It's, it's, it's still to, and yet for us, it's still to come, but it has come. And, and that, that belief in that is shaping who we are now. Mm-hmm. So the future is shaping the present. It's not the past that shapes the future. It's the future mm-hmm. that shapes the, the now. And we get into the sort of mind-bending time stuff and this idea that time is just what we perceive it to be and God's outside of time and, you know, we don't have to be limited in those ways. Absolutely. It's all folding in on itself. Um, but Laura, yeah, what, yeah. what about yourself? Did you um, have anything you wanted to add to that? Well, see, I find it, I think because I'm a, I'm a forward-looking person, you know, all, all the time and and I'm always thinking about continuous improvement as well. So I find, 
I actually find it difficult to to look to the past. You know, I think that I, there's, there's things that I know that I need to learn from the past, you know, so as that, you know, you don't kind of fall into the same traps and make same mistakes again, you know, as people have before. But I find that I do, maybe I don't always take account of the wisdom that, that has gone before, you know. Um, but I've, I can find it very frustrating, you know, that, that a lot of people within the church are very rooted <laughs> within tradition and look to the past a lot. So I find that very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> as an institution it's probably fair to say at the moment that yeah uh, uh-huh. if there's a time period that's favored it's mm. usually the one that's passed <laughs> uh, so i'm i'm there and i'm i'm away in that future like looking to see oh you know what, what it's going to be like you know and thinking maybe just getting a wee bit too far ahead at times you know you need to go at the pace you know maybe just go at a pace that people are ready <laughs> you know they can take it Take the change. <laughs> well, George will keep you right with his Augustine and his Luther yes. and his Calvin and, and all that. Anchored, Laura. That's it. Anchored. Yeah. Firm and true, George. Firm and true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I, th- I was going to say, um, though, I, th- I think God does find us where we are to use us where we are right now. Um, and we might not be perfect and we might say some of the wrong things or do some of the wrong things but actually as creatures of God as as people who have been chosen to walk in the way then that example that that love that um that insight helps us to touch people as we walk down that journey yeah it's a journey it's yeah. not a destination do you know uh, and we'll journey till the day we die and, yeah. and past it. Yeah. Laura, I thought you might like this. I was looking at something I wrote, 30, I published this 35 years ago. <laughs> a prayer, in a prayer book I wrote. Lord, we are in a shambles. We have lost nearly everything and what remains is dying. Still somehow we have heard your voice and like a giant waking for sleep, we are staggering to rise to our full potential. Lord, we have been dead for so long that we cannot distinguish vision from folly, dreams from reality. Forgive us for the times, the people and the ideas we have lost, for we have been living in the past, robbing the dead of what was once their living faith. And we have been praying in another generation's clothes, like magpies we have sheltered where we have not built. And so I go on. (laughs) <laughs> years ago. Letting them have it, Albert. Them have it. Albert, just remember, just remind me of the name of that particular pamphlet. I recall some music being attached to that. That was Pracy Day. I knew it. <laughs> yeah, we let me say we also produced a tape with the with the music and Campbell Dye and you we produced stuff Co- from Colin, that with Colin it. had a big part of that. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. But you know why I'm saying that? It's just the past. You know, you're right, but sometimes we can learn from the past, but sometimes it's so painful when you're still when you've lived through something and you still think nobody's learning. We're still in a shambles. 
but do you know that that yeah. is so true of right now do you know i mean i, I honestly I, I have these kind of rants uh you know i don't know every couple of weeks i just like have have people going collectively mad do you know, I feel less about, you know, like my colleagues in the health service and stuff. I kind of look around at the things we're doing. I think, have you all actually lost your minds? Do you remember the first time? Right. Do you remember what we did the first time? Right. This is only number two. So all you need to do is push the button and what you did the last time. And folk are like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure how to respond to that. What do you mean you're not sure? <laughs> what do you mean you're not sure? <laughs> But uh, I'm not going to rant on the podcast because I have rant. He's going to bring it back. Bring it back. Uh, yeah, I think. Dial it down and on. Hey guys, any other? I've been making all the going the comments on James's material this week. So, anything else that you want to talk about that you touched you about what James is writing this week? <clears throat> so much. It's the. Uh, it's the. It's just so poetic just so poetic James you know it's uh, and, and the language that you use is just I, I could actually like do like a wee English you know literature class <laughs> <laughs> very kind because <laughs> oh, like, that's what you know it just it's um, I, I really I know we had already well you had touched on that one the tremendous power um and I just loved, I love that line. Um, we can transmit that knowledge to other people. Um, and then we live at the intersection of the divine yes. and the ordinary. And I, I just like, oh, I, we do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's and isn't it wonderful because it's, it's such a poetic, but a beautiful, that's the hope. Uh-huh. You know, for, at the most ordinary things, we meet God. Mm-hmm. You know, just when when you think, how can that be? And God turns up. You know, <laughs> wow. There's a there's a beautiful line in um, I can't remember it now, but in um, Henri Nouwen's, I might have quoted this before in the podcast, but the Wounded Healer, you know, Henri mm-hmm. Nouwen's book, where he talks about the idea that like you shouldn't underestimate what can happen in an instant, you know, and that one look or one gesture could make up for a lifetime of pain and hurt, and you know the the love that can be shared in just one one look, you know, and and I think we often sometimes think that something <laughs> profound or miraculous or spiritual will happen out there. But it doesn't. It happens here. It happens in a real life and in just real ordinary life. You know, the, the things that change you are usually like a hand on your shoulder or somebody smiling or, you know, it isn't complicated. A lot of it. Um, yeah, it is. No, but actually it, it is profoundly and beautifully complicated, in fact, because it's these little tiny threads, these spider webs mm. that just go between people and people and people. Um, that then lead that moment to occur. Do you know that moment where somebody, as you say, just puts their hand in your shoulder or just says something as simple as thank you or in my world, how you doing, doctor? How you really doing? Do you know what I mean? That's that's like incredibly powerful stuff. These are are like real spiritual, um, metaphysical things that happen and they are so unpredictable. We can't predict when they're going to happen in their honesty and their integrity and their reality. 
but when they come along our way, we recognise them when mm -hmm. they come, don't we? We know that's those of us who have ears to hear or our eyes to see, we we know that as God in our lives. Yeah. Being alive to that, that's the key, I think. Mm. I love that idea you said about the spider's web. It's as, as fragile as the spider's web, but it's beautiful. The sun shines through it. It's just so fragile. Mm. But it's mm. it's there and but we are connected in all sorts of all sorts of ways. I, I love that line <clears throat> as well in that one. We we who bear God's image can also bear God's words. Oh yeah. Yeah, you no, know, just like ah. Oh. And that that to me is like so powerful, you know. And and that, you know, it's like going back to what we were talking about at the beginning as well, about truth, you know, and it's about embodying, you know, embodying the the, the God's word and our very being, you know, that that living with truth and uh, honesty and our uh, love. <laughs> <laughs> see and this is this thing perfect love casts out fear <clears throat> love brings things into being love brings pe people personhood out of us all and of course it, the greatest love of all is that the love of the love of god that brings us that, that, you know when when god breathes life into adam he's breathing love it's it's it's, it's the love that he's breathing into adam to make him a living soul you know, and it's that love that makes us who we are. And so it's such a, I, I, and I think that leads me to just think about this other one about, you're talking about who are we kidding? Oh, yeah, that's the one I was thinking. <laughs> George you know, is nodding. George, is <laughs> George, what were you thinking? You got something to say about that? Yeah, you know, wasn't it just so poignant that that was yesterday's, um, yesterday's post? Because that's probably what we've seen publicly for so long now um, coming to fruition in the election but I loved when you said the virtue signaling thing it says we we when we have exaggerated our achievements to flatter ourselves to signal our virtue and then you go on to say how it's it's in order to make something legitimate or expand it to look impressive or imitate intimidating and it, you know, it reminded me of that Philippians 2 doesn't it when, when Paul says there's qualities that aren't good um, selfish ambition and vain conceit and you know there's such that they are intrinsic to all of us but he also goes on to say that you know have a mindset like Jesus like be humility have humility like Christ and it just made me think that the with those two that selfish ambition and that vain conceit we're never more like the devil when we have those two but we're never more like Jesus when we have humility and love mm. for others and for our neighbor and I said you're 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 very poetic. You know, there's. I love the end of it as well with te with laughter in our lungs and tears on our cheeks. That sort of, you can laugh and cry at the same time, and it can happen almost simultaneously. Is it, I, I, like loving authentically, you know, just being authentic and being yourself and embracing that. You know, don't be don't you know you don't need to cut anybody. Just yeah. be yourself. Absolutely. I don't know if um, any of you guys um, watched the the American Office, the sitcom, um, but there's there's one episode because Michael Scott's this odious boss who's you know very vain and conceited and and what have you. But one in one episode, a character says, "What 
why don't you try just making yourself the butt of the joke? You know, just just you know, you know, take one for the team and just you know say that oh well, I'm not so good. And he's like no, but nobody will respect me. No, like, he's like just try it, and he does it, and then everyone's like oh Michael, come on Michael, you're not so bad, and it's just amazing seeing like this light up you know, in this character's face. And Steve Carell's a very sympathetic actor. And I think it is in humour often that we get an out because you, you talk yourself into a corner is the problem. You know, like, and I've done this, like, you know, my phylacteries have been broad, you know, I've put things out on social media or bragged about stuff and then thought, what am I doing? Like, I'm in the corner here. And the only way out is to be like, okay, okay, you know, fine, fair enough. <laughs> Busted. Isn't that what's so distressing about watching what's happening um, in, in another part of the world. Uh, and But also, it happen- do you know something, Ian? Lest we, anyone looking from other parts of the world think we're knocking their part of the world, it's happening in our <laughs> part of the world too. I know. And we exactly know, the same leadership around the world. I know, I know, but do you know what? That is what is so distressing about the whole thing, you know, is that this kind of lack of insight into what you're saying and doing as a leader and yet ignoring and abrogating responsibility for those that follow you. I mean, it's bewildering to me, but at the same time, it distresses me. It distresses me for the people who are those people. I'm, I'm sad. I'm desperately sad for Boris Johnson. I'm sad for him. I don't think he sees himself as he actually is. Do you know what? I don't think I see myself for who I am. No, I know, I know. Perfectly yeah. honest. But I'm, I'm actually sure that Boris wouldn't have taken the job if he'd known he was going to come into a pandemic. I think he would have been saying, do you know what, Corbyn? I think you should just do the job. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it's not the buccaneering premiership he imagined it was going to be. No, no, no. He ends up, this, this strange irony of it all is, that he ends up more Corbynite than Corbyn could have ever been, Absolutely. as he as he as he as he massively uh, not only trebles the, the national debt, but sort of, I don't know, it's gone out of the out of the window. Absolutely, it's it's, it's beyond the Labour Party's wildest imaginings. Absolutely, in terms of the economic hit of the pandemic. <laughs> and do you know what? Good good for them. You know, I'm I'm a hundred percent behind it, but. It, it, it really is actually ludicrous. When the whole thing is great irony in the whole thing. Oh, absolutely, but but I just do I do I feel for these guys, these straw men, some of them uh, that don't know their straw men, and and you know I I just wish that that somebody somewhere would would be that guy that that you talk about um, in in the prayers uh, this week. James, you know, that word that actually gives you that insight, you know, that that talking to that makes you think, wait a minute, what what am I actually? I might be dead important in this, that and the next thing, but actually I'm not. I'm just a simple child of the universe, just like anybody else. Do you know, I, sometimes I wonder, Ian, I sometimes wonder if when they go to visit the Queen, the Queen quietly says, oh, right, I've heard it all before. I wonder what she really says to them, you know. That's why I'm such a big fan of Janie Godley. <laughs> oh, I don't have that to <laughs> say. <laughs> it's not a sanctuary first review if you've not mentioned Janie Godley. <laughs> those of you in America who know nothing about Janie Godley, well, you just need to go and Google her. <laughs> She's the first minister, isn't she? 
Basically, I. <laughs> Moving on to mere words. Oh. This is all likes. This is a great. This is just all flows nicely in in our whole conversation tonight. Mere words. And this is the one where you think this is where thinking about actually leadership and not just leadership, but the about as all as the saints together. You know, on your breath, God can carry a word of encouragement. On your lips, God can put a word of warning. And on your tongue, God can place a song of reconciliation. Oh, no. mm. oh. <clears throat> so, I've, I've got goosebumps. Because <laughs> you think that's to be that person that carries the words of God, then you wouldn't have the straw men and women because they would be getting the wee voice in the ear, you know? And that is, that's what we're all called, you know, as the same, you know, as brothers and sisters in Christ to, you know, carry that word of encouragement and to be that wee word of warning and to be that song of reconciliation for each other. Uh... You know, Laura, so maybe we need to believe that we are instruments. Maybe we need to believe that, that we have that breath of God in us because, you know what, we don't often realise what we do. We don't often realise the words that we say that have an impact in people. And that's what I've found in all my years of doing what I do, mm -hmm. is that I'll say something to somebody just because it felt right in the moment, because that's kind of how I roll. Um, and years later, they'll come back to me with it and say, do you know what you said, such and such? And I thought about things in a different way. Just in, just where I work, I mean, I'm not like a, you know, like a super, super holy dude that, you know, like a preacher like you guys. But, but in, in, oh. <laughs> in a wee way, um, you know, occasionally people will listen to something or they'll hear something or I'll do something. I don't know. Um, but you just got to believe in as just a, a simple Christian guy. You, you just need to believe that God will use you, mm -hmm. and, and celebrate it when you know that it has. That's that's what I think. Yeah. Hey, do you know, guys? Do you know what time it is? It's one oh. minute to ten. One minute to ten. Uh, well, I, I think this has been a fascinating uh, time together this evening. I think we really have talked around this subject of what it means to be saints today. The challenge for us for the future and living, looking at the past, um, being the, the, these, the, you know, I think just that, that phrase, Laura, could you just repeat those three lines again? Just because I think it sums up, it's a beautiful summary of what we want to be talking about as saints. Mm -hmm. So, on your breath, God can carry a word of encouragement. On your lips, God can put a word of warning. And on your tongue, God can place a song of reconciliation. Do you know, see if we could believe that, Ian, as you say. That's a message for someone listening here tonight. You have to go into some situation and do that. And, 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 and on your lips, maybe the word of warning, but on your lips, a song of reconciliation. Wow. What changes could be happening around the world with just 
the Spirit of God doing these things. Because you know what? The Spirit of God is doing that already. Oh, yeah. It's happening already. Even as you see it, it's happening all around the place. And who knows? That can happen even among our leaders and even some of the most strident leaders. God can send a wee girl <laughs> to work in Naaman's side and say, do this. You know? Mm. Well, anyway, guys, I think it's time to wind up. Remind everyone, on Sunday, uh, we are um, at 6.30, and uh, it's, it's a service of remembrance. It's a, and we're thinking about this, <clears throat> the, the season, seasoning remembrance, memories, memories at season remembrance. And uh, we actually, we've read, we've re I've rewritten a, a meditation that was out for a, a long time called A Cold Dark November Morning, and Campbell Dye has rewritten a completely new um, um, soundtrack and uh, it's been remade into a whole new piece for Remembrance Sunday so look out for that mm -hmm. and Ian is playing in our service as well Ian's come up with a, a, a U2 a cover of a song called Bad and it's a beautiful rendering of it Ian thank you so much for that and, uh, and Ian Paget is also producing a song again a Maroon five song from Maroon 5 called Memories. Oh. So we're, we're departing from traditional hymns on Sunday evening to do something quite different. I think that's in CH4, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I'll but remind people as well um, about uh, the Premier Christian Radio Conference um, that oh, yeah. we're going to be taking part in. Yeah, on the 14th of, the, of November, and you can book it up if you go on to Premier Radio and look for the, the conference. It's on digital theology and the, giving people a, a real insight into, into how we connect digitally and share the gospel in the, in the, in, in the digital world. And the, it's a great opportunity if the church leaders are looking into this to actually sign up for that conference. It's a, it's a, it's a week tomorrow. Yes, speak and, tomorrow. Yeah, and, and Laura and I are going to be talking about Sanctuary First and our experience of interactive fellowship on Sanctuary First through our um, connect groups and the jam session and the coffee shop. And we're going to mention the weekly review yeah. because we know lots of people are now listening into us. <laughs> <laughs> so until next week, thank you to, uh, to Owen Griffiths for joining us and telling us a little bit about the, the app is to be. Look out for the app because it will be around sometime this month. I'm hoping by the middle of the month. And uh, see you on Sunday. And uh, please follow us next week. Who's the writer next week, James? Uh, well, it is Scott. Uh, Scott Shackleton. Scott the, Shackleton. Um, Navy yeah. chaplain. Yeah. Yeah. Naval chaplain. So that will be a really good week to just be reflecting on things next week as we go into remembrance. So until then... Have a good weekend. I think in Scotland, the weather's going to be quite good tomorrow. Yeah. I'm told that it's going to be quite good. So go out and enjoy yourself and um, keep safe. Until next week, God bless. God bless. Bye. Bye. Bye.